0: Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Alan Shreve, CEO and founder of NGROC, an API-first ingress as a service platform that's raised $50 million in funding. Alan, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. It's great to be here. Yeah, no problem. So to kick things off, can we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background?
1: Yeah. So uh, my name's Alan Shreve. I'm in contributable on the internet. I am the creator and founder of Ngrok. You know, I got my start. I went to the University of Michigan. I studied computer science there. I was developing before that, but um, got my start uh, kind of there. I was, you know, have been doing entrepreneurial things on and off for a long time. The first job that I took out of college was at a small startup at the time called Twilio, where I was one of the first engineers and built the the messaging team there. And that kind of like got me into the distributed systems and and networking world that eventually led to kind of my journey into. Ed.
0: And I'm sure you learned a lot while you were at Twilio, but if you had to choose maybe one or two big things that you learned from your
1: time there, what would it be? Wow. So many, I would say like a lot of the things that I learned about like building for scale and building distributed systems architecture, a lot of the like kind of like foundational principles of of how you build those systems was certainly a a thing that I picked up at at Twilio and really uh, took forward. And the other was, you know, really further refining, like what it means to be and build a developer facing product and developer facing company. That was something that Jeff and, and the rest of the team at Twilio did really well. And definitely something that I've carried forward into to Ngrok and all my projects since.
0: And a couple of questions that we like to ask, really just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. First one, what CEO or founder do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? I don't
1: really have like a favorite founder or CEO that I like look up to. I think in general, I tend to admire teams of people and the ones that I maybe unsurprisingly because of uh, how Ngrok has been built and founded. I do really look up to teams that have bootstrapped their companies for, you know, not that it's any different or better or than raising capital and, and kind of doing things the venture funded way, but there is something pretty gritty about, you know, building a bootstrap company. And so I, I do, um, you know, admire those teams for the grit and the focus and the execution required to take something from nothing to, you know, a real functioning company, basically just on the backs of like, you know, focus on customers. And are there any specific teams that come to mind there? There are many, right? You know, I think they're pretty well-known stories. Uh, Some of the major companies that have been bootstrapped, companies like, you know, Atlassian or MailChimp, GitHub that folks like to point at, but there are plenty outside of, of software as well that are interesting too.
0: What about books? Are there any specific books that have had a major impact on you? Yeah,
1: one of the books that have an impact on me You know, I was thinking about that and noticed it wasn't a question about, you know, like business books. I would say like the book that I like go back to and reread the most in my life that kind of has like a really profound impact on me is uh, The Little Prince. Have you read it? No, I haven't. Oh, it's a really lovely story. It's uh, kind of a children's book, kind of not a children's book about uh, a prince from another planet who comes to Earth trying to really understand the meaning of life and what we're here for. Nice.
0: I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And those are the types of books that I love to hear about. As you saw from the questions we sent, I get a little bit burnt out just hearing like the same old business books over and over again. So love that you pulled an example that I haven't heard of and would love to follow up on that then too. So how many times a year do you read this? Is this like a yearly book for you, a quarterly book? How, how often are you rereading it?
1: I think I've, I've probably read The Little Prince probably like four or five times in my life. So, you know, every couple of years I'll I'll come back to it. It's, uh, uh, the original title is Le Petit Ponce. Uh, it's a, a, French book from the author Antoine saint It's a really beautiful story about what it means to find yourself in the world and find what's really important. Nice.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely check that out. Now let's switch gears and, and let's dive a bit deeper into the company. So just for those listening
1: who aren't familiar with you, could you just provide a high level overview of what the company does? Engrac is a unified Ingros platform. So when speaking at like even like higher late person terms, like when you build a piece of software, like a web application or an API, you know, a website that you want to put on the internet, you typically put a piece of software between all of the things that talk to it and the service itself. And the piece in between delivers your software to all of its customers, uh, delivers that website or that API. And in doing so, it provides acceleration, it provides resiliency, it provides observability, right? It makes sure that your service is up, that it's fast, uh, that it doesn't go down, all of those pieces, right, that you can understand what it's doing. And so the way that that problem has typically been handled is that there are many different pieces that are responsible for that ingress story. There are firewalls and reverse proxies, load balancers and caching layers and things like that. And NGROC is a product that unifies all of those separate pieces that are typically like operated by separate teams into a single piece of software that someone who is not specialized in infrastructure software can use. So your application developer doesn't have to understand all those deep pieces to build something that they can deliver to, you know, their millions of customers or, you know, complex corporate customers without needing that that additional infrastructure.
0: And can you take us back to 2015 when you were first launching and just talk us through the origin story?
1: Yeah, Ngroc's origin story is is certainly an interesting one. Uh, it really started before 2015 because Ngroc started before it uh, kind of officially became the company. NGROC was originally an open source project that I built and operated a a service for in the very early days. And when I built that service and and offered it very immediately, it had a lot of folks who started using the service. And uh, they really started like pouring in with different like requests and, you know, feature asks. And the origin of Ngrok as a company was really like, you know, on the back of that open source project, really like finding a lot of fit and really taking that and saying like, wow, I I think this is really something that's that's pretty meaningful. And then doubling down and, and continuing to invest in that product.
0: And can you just give us an idea of, you know, any metrics or numbers that highlight the scale that you're operating at today? Yeah, I mean,
1: over the lifetime of Ngroc, we have signed up over 6 million developers who have used NGROC's platform. So NGROC is used, you know, if, if you know a software developer, they likely have heard of or have used NGROC. It's used in countries all around the world in in all the different industries. It really has a pretty global adoption.
0: And I think founders listening in who have dev tools are probably extremely jealous as they hear that number 6 million. That's incredible. What do you think you got right? How were you able to attract that many users?
1: There are a couple of things. One for like founders who are, you know, in that space thinking about it. Remember that like I started this like 10 years ago. So like some of it, a lot of people like to think of these things as like overnight successes and they very much are not. They are years and years in the making. And so part of that is time and part of it is continuing to, to stick with it and build and build and build and listen to your customers. You know, in the early days, uh, what Ngrok got right was a couple of things. One was that, you know, Ngrok has focused pretty ruthlessly on developer experience and making a a tool like very much for developers. Um, and there were two other things that, you know, have like really contributed to its growth. One is that Ngrok has a, a bit of the developer tool, has a bit of a viral spread component that when you use NGROC by default, if you're not paying for it, it gives you a, a URL that is branded Ngrok that you might offer to someone else And so that viral spread definitely helped increase its visibility. And the second was that, uh, you know, Ngrok originally started off as a developer tool. It was specifically designed to test webhooks and allow you to demo projects uh, without deploying them, which is a good ways away from where we are today, which is, you know, running production infrastructure to deliver like production APIs to folks. But in those early days, you know, one of our kind of like major customers or like one of the, the most early adopters of Ngrok were developer evangelism teams at major tech companies who were building very webhook focused services. Twilio, you know, where I came from being one of them, but folks at many other companies like Slack and GitHub as well. And so those developer evangelists would often like incorporate Ngrok into their presentations as they went out and uh, spoke at conferences and things like that, which also has like a, a viral and adopting spread. So not a lot of that is replicable if you're looking for things to take away, but some of it is right in terms of like thinking about what your angles are for creating a viral spread components and a bit of being like really building something that, that people love to use.
0: I'd love to also ask a little bit about funding. So you were bootstrapped there for seven years and then it looks like you did your raise there at the end of 2022. So what happened there? Did Code 2 and Lightspeed just make you an offer that you couldn't refuse? Did you say, hey, you know, we're ready to scale and go big and you sought out an investor? Or what happened there at the end of 2022 that led to you taking that first round of capital so late into the journey?
1: Yeah, like you said, Encroc, was fully bootstrapped up until 2022. Uh, there was absolutely no investment. You know, I really started Mrock on a credit card paying you know like 20 dollars a month for an instance to host it and uh, quickly paid for itself with its first customers and really grew the business entirely as a bootstrap business for for those intervening seven years. What we kind of like came into in 2022 is just uh increasing demand for the product and increasing ambition for what we wanted to, to build and tackle. You know, NGROC, the developer tool, was something that we talked about, you know, just a few moments ago, but Ngroc the production infrastructure tool is something that is much more ambitious. It requires a lot more investment both on a product and marketing side. It doesn't have quite the viral spread that you know something like a developer tool that can be shared does. Um, and so, really, the scope and size of that ambition, and the scope and size of the customer demand, really is what the fundraise was about. And were you
0: nervous about taking that first round of capital? It sounds like you were very focused on being a bootstrapped company, and you made that change pretty late. Was that hard to make that shift?
1: No, the raise of capital is really about you know taking NGROC and bringing it to meet the existing to meet the demand that we're seeing, and that's something that. It's not scary. It's exciting. Really about really taking Enrock to the next stage and increasing the number of ways that we can help accelerate developers and help uh, accelerate new software to market. Makes sense.
0: And yeah, the reason I ask is I see online, yeah, there's kind of like two camps, right? There's like the bootstrappers, and then there's the the venture backed folks, and typically those two don't get along. The bootstrappers tend to talk crap about the VC backed companies, and, and vice versa. So was curious if you were like very, very tied to bootstrapping and you felt like a traitor uh, when you raised venture capital. That's so we had someone who uh, came on who had a pretty similar journey. That's how they said they felt in the end when they switched from being bootstrapped to raising venture capital. They, they said they felt like they betrayed the bootstrapper
1: community a little bit. I am familiar with this like sentiment in those two different camps. It reminds me of like the sentiment in like different programming languages, having like opinions about each other. Ultimately, We are all business builders and that if you're sitting in one camp thinking that bootstrapping is better than venture funding or vice versa, I would encourage you to think that maybe you're thinking about it a little bit too dogmatically, that they are both tools for the right time and place in, you know, a business's life and perhaps even for a business as a whole. But some may be the right fit for some and some may be the right fit for others, but neither is, you know, superior to either in any particular way. So no, definitely didn't feel like a trader. I uh, really felt, you know, it was a, a choice that we like chose and opted into. And so if you made that step, you really got to feel excited about it, which uh, I absolutely was.
0: And if we look at your go-to-market challenges, I'm sure you've experienced a couple of them since you launched, but if we had to pick one major go-to-market challenge that you experienced and overcame, what would that challenge be? Well, that's a good question.
1: I'll give you a challenge. I'm not sure that we've overcome it yet, but it's certainly one that we're we're making progress on which is that, you know, Enbrock spent many first years of its life at a developer tool, something that software engineers used while they were building new software, right? But that when it came time to go to production, they like, you know, brought in a, a new technology to take them to production, right? And so our, like, the go-to-market challenge right now is about telling the story of, you know, running Enbrock in production and being production infrastructure. The way that, you know, we do ourselves, like we, uh, dog food and rock for our own software delivery, and have many customers who run and rock in that uh, kind of production infrastructure sure way. So big challenge for us is really just taking that awareness that doesn't have that same viral spread, uh, that same like product kind of like organic spread that the original tool did and building a go to market motion that brings that message out to everyone who already has a conception about what and rock does and really expanding that vision to include uh, what it has become.
0: All right, final question here. Let's zoom out into the future. So if you could just paint a picture for us, what's that three to five year vision look like?
1: So that three to five year vision is really expanding on what we've talked about earlier is Ngrok being a ingress, unified ingress platform. At Ngrok, we are excited about increasing the pace of innovation on the internet, about lowering the barrier to entry to building and shipping and delivering new software. And right now to build and deliver software requires, uh, especially in in our particular domain, often requires a tremendous amount of infrastructure expertise, you know, both in, in small startups, but also in, in large companies, you know, you're coordinating everything from like firewalls to caching proxies, reverse proxies, load balancers, application firewalls, you know, API gateways that all have to be like wedded together, um, usually by many different teams. And our three to five year vision is that application developers are able to really like self-serve that functionality and deliver the application experiences that they want to their customers within the, the rules and policies set for them by other teams in a much more streamlined and effective way. And that three to five year vision is really about the pace of innovation on the internet increasing by making these problems smaller and easier to approach and more developer oriented. Amazing!
0: I love it. All right, Alan, we are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap here. Before we do, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build and execute on
1: that vision, where should they go? Feel free to check out our website, uh, ngrok.com. We have a a blog, which is uh, ngrok.com slash blog. You can also find us on Twitter. We are ngrokhq on Twitter, and I personally am ingontribable on Twitter. So those are all of the places on the internet that I would encourage you to to follow along and uh, come join us on the journey. Amazing.
0: Alan, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. Really appreciate it and really enjoyed
1: this conversation. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, Brett. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. Keep in touch.
0: This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines
1: Media, Silicon
0: Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.